0: Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I'm glad you're here. We are having a heat wave like you wouldn't believe here in Southwest Florida. It is hot. Matter of fact, I know we broke a record probably about 10 to 15 days ago, something like that. And uh, no matter where you go, it's hot. Even the water is hot. So it's just one of those things. We're here in the month of July, August and September here in the state of Florida. It can remain super hot. Matter of fact, on some of the really, really hot summers, it's even hot during October. So but right now, Just about every day I go out there, I expect to see like 94, 95 or something more than that. And so I'm thankful for AC and, you know, I just spend a limited amount of time outside when it's this hot. So wherever you are, I hope you're having a good summer and I can't complain. I've taken some time off. I've had some free time, maybe a little bit more than usual. And uh, I always, the wheels in my head are always cranking. I'm always thinking about what's happening in the business world, what may be happening next, how it might affect me. Also, I look into things like possibilities, that windows of opportunity that uh, may be opening in the not-too-distant future, and counting the costs somewhat about whether it would be worth taking advantage of this or that opportunity if it presents itself. I've also been thinking about coming back to Facebook and being more active there again, There's a lot of people that I haven't seen or talked to in a while. When I say seen, I guess I'm talking about their avatar. But there's a lot of people I haven't talked to in a while that I miss talking to. And um, I don't hate Facebook. I don't hate Twitter or LinkedIn or any of those places. I know last week I mentioned about us being in a social media recession. And so me coming back to Facebook at a time when a lot of people are spending less and less time there... I guess it would be more so just to enjoy talking to some people in my downtime, talking about the business world, what's going on, maybe even doing a few Facebook lives, just a few things I've kicked around in my head. But now I'm looking down at the date and I'm thinking, okay, we're kind of like halfway through the month of July already. If you're going to do something, you may as well pull the trigger soon. So I may go ahead and I may do that. We'll see what happens The other day I heard about different business acquisitions that were happening. A lot of businesses, bigger businesses, are buying little businesses. I see it more and more all the time. I mentioned it before on past episodes of this podcast, but there was a time where the largest companies in the world would sink a small fortune into research and development. And not that they still don't do that, but oftentimes what happens is if they're going to research a product, or a service that they're going to produce on a mass scale. A lot of times they look at what's already out there and then their initial research and development meeting is about, can we produce something that's significantly better than what this other company has? And if the answer is yes, then they go ahead and they go for it. If the answer is we're not sure or no, then sometimes instead of sinking all that money into research and development, they'll go ahead and they'll buy the other company out. And so it happens a lot of times, it happens on a smaller scale in the software world, in the world of WordPress, for example. There are plenty of examples of uh, website hosting companies that go ahead and they buy uh, plugin development uh, companies or products. They buy them out, they add them to their ever-growing portfolio of assets. And so they have money coming in from you know, they have those multiple streams of income online. Web hosting is a super competitive business. I don't think the profit margins are quite what they used to be. And so it makes sense to invest some money, maybe take a little bit of loss on the front end, but to buy some of these popular software products that are used with website development, especially WordPress, then, you know, you have a a, perhaps a brighter outlook for income wise as you move forward into the next several years. So that's why we see a lot of that happening and plus the online world is it's more difficult and more expensive to advertise successfully as compared with the past. So you have smaller software vendors that have uh, great products but they just don't have the income to be able to market on a mass scale the way if you're going to play the game in the traditional sense um, businesses do we see examples of businesses who played the game in the traditional sense. One of the smartest companies, the company that built the Elementor product, I'm not even sure what the name of the company is. Maybe they're called Elementor. I don't even know. But they're an Israeli-based company. And that's a perfect example of a company that did marketing right, right out of the gate. So I guess they had everything lined up with investors. So they were able to go and really do from the grass roots marketing to all the other types of marketing and complete complete a, a complete picture of the way marketing can be done on a large scale. They really did a great job of it, which is why they grew so fast. And they filled the need for the time of providing a product that was more of a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of a design builder for designing websites. But anyway, getting back to Um, today's topic. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about you and I as personal brands and how we can position ourselves going forward so that the assets that we own and control are going to become more and more valuable. So we're not like big companies. Now some of you may have um, backgrounds similar to mine. I came out of the agency world, went into the digital agency world in the late 1990s and provide, mainly made the money by uh, selling services to brick-and-mortar businesses. And then after that, moved into things like search engine optimization, digital marketing, consulting strategy, and all of that stuff. But even after having done this for so long, there are still times when I look around at what's happening in the online world and I think, well, there's opportunities to do other things too, more productized things. And, but all of those things revolve around the the personal brand concept which is something that it took me a while to really recognize that fact because I came from more of a corporate brand mentality where bigger was better not realizing that at the end of the day even when we're talking about a corporate type of situation when conversations take place we we talk about individuals we talk about somebody that has the skill to do uh, to do a certain task or to run a certain department or to lead a certain campaign, we start leaving the corporate brand structure, and we start talking about more of the individual or the personal brand, as I like to say. And so, whether we're talking about big companies or individuals, there's no getting away from the personal brand concept. So, for example, you can have the head of marketing for a big company, and that person is known for the success they've had during various campaigns, they build a reputation. And then when they decide to leave that company, or even if they get fired, they're usually not out of work for very long because their name is already out there. There's somebody there willing to pay them. It's kind of like athletes in that way. When somebody does not sign for a contract, they're out there as a free agent. If they're still in their prime, then most of the time another team, it doesn't make any difference what sport you're talking about, will pick them up. So whether you're in the corporate world or whether you have An online brand or you're somewhere in between, the bottom line is is that you've made many connections over the years, and people know who you are. They know what you do. They know what you're about. And the more you grow that, the more opportunity you have for growth going forward in the future. Speaking about the future, today's episode is brought to you by two of my own marketing resources, the Digital Strategist Newsletter and the One-to-Many System. The Digital Strategist Newsletter is my monthly newsletter. It's available at the Jim's newsletter. I was going to say the DigitalStrategistNewsletter.com, but no, it's available at Jim'sNewsletter.com. Usually comes out on the twenty-third or the twenty-fourth of every month. It's absolutely free, and the One to Many system, which is at OneToManySystem.com. That's my big course, and this program gives you a complete scalable marketing strategy and system, along with the website and the content creation pieces, so that you can finally put all of the pieces together. This can be used to sell any kind of information, product, service, combination of the two. It's the marketing system that I use and it's a basically this course is a culmination of all of my experience with doing business online. That's available at onetomanysystem.com. Go ahead and check that out if you haven't already. But getting back to the solo brand. In the past, I was so frustrated when I was putting all of my time and energy into creating a corporate type of brand that, and when I say corporate, I wasn't trying to build a hundred million dollar organization. I was just trying to build a company whose name would be recognizable. And over time, people were remembering my name, but they weren't remembering the company name. They were remembering the names of some of my associates, but they weren't remembering the company name. And so finally, I thought, why am I pushing so hard against the grain, against the tide, when people are recognizing me? Why don't I just present these products and services as my products and services and begin to focus more on a personal brand? Because that is the pattern, that is the blueprint that I grew up around. And, you know, the funny thing was when I went to college, looking back at, my dad's life, my grandfather's life, my great-grandfather's lives, they all focused on that personal brand approach. Now they didn't call it personal branding back then, but it was basically like, you know, you had a network of people, you had influence, and your life was built around that and it benefited every it benefited everybody. Whereas I thought to myself when I was a teenager, I thought, well, this is like the street way of doing things. And I didn't recognize the fact that the street way was more effective than the corporate way, unless you had really, really deep pockets where it didn't matter, where the people that knew you were writing checks that were so big anyway, it didn't matter what if anybody else knew who you were, you knew all of these influencers at like a really high level. But you know the average business doesn't work that way. I think like the banking world works that way, the political world works that way, the investment world for the most part works that way. But if you're just a normal person like a bootstrapping entrepreneur, then you know we look at what we have in front of us challenge-wise today, and I think building a personal brand along with building an email list, those two things make more sense than possibly anything else or possibly everything else combined together. Because having a strong personal brand and being able to grow an engaged uh, email list, those both of those things are going to be important for your long-term success. Those are two uh, pillars that can help you overcome all kinds of hurdles that you may face in the future. So personal branding goes beyond merely just you know, hi, I'm Jim, and this is what I sell, and here are my services. It is more about authentically showcasing who you are, what you stand for, and how you can add value to your audience's lives. And if you have a compelling personal brand, and you can differentiate differentiate yourself from your competitors, then you can build a following that is going to resonate not just with you but with your story with your expertise there's going to be more of a connection there and this is easier to build than ever before because of all the tools we have online back in the day that meant that you were out all the time you were always networking with people you were always meeting people people were knowing you by by face you know face-to-face conversation today a lot of this happens online. I still believe in the old school doing things offline, meeting people, sitting down, having a, you know, lunch with them, having dinner with them, having a drink with them, whatever it happens to be, talking about how you can help them or just networking individual. And it's so powerful because you can create a dynamic that you can't get most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time by strictly just doing it online. That's why the top salespeople in the world still take the effort to get dressed in their best clothes, get on a plane, travel to another city, and have lunch with a potential client or customer. And all the high-end products, all the, the big ticket items, they still do it that way. Yes, they do it on you know, online and all of that, but not, they don't just do it that way. You'll find the top, the top of the top salespeople still meet with people face-to-face. So, personal branding, I think, is going to be a key that unlocks a lot of doors of opportunity to you. I understand if you're shy and you don't have time to meet people. I'm not saying that you have to do it that way, but you have to take the first step in understanding what a personal brand is, that you already have one, whether you admit it or not, and what it can do for you, how it can enhance what you're trying to build and your overall experience as you put maybe a little more effort into it. So, it's going to help you set set yourself apart from the people that you're competing with, and it's going to help you establish trust with an ever-increasing, hopefully, audience. So first and foremost, it's important to understand what the personal branding truly means. So we could sum it up by saying it's a reflection of your unique story. How old are you? Where did you grow up? What influences do you have that made you who you are today? what are your values like? You know, with some people, values are like more important than anything else. It's something we won't hear about too much because it's not just about expertise. They want to be working with someone maybe that values loyalty. Loyalty is huge with some people, especially ethnic groups. Like, for example, I come from an old Italian family, whereas loyalty to the family was one of the things that you know, I began to understand from, from the age that I, be, I was able to talk. You know, I understood how important that was. Family was another high, high value uh, type of thing, especially the very young and the very old in the family, the value we placed upon these people and being there for them and absorbing their wisdom and all of these things were taught. This, these are still concepts that are very powerful in Asian cultures not so much Italian cultures anymore with the younger generations. And I'm not like trying to talk down on the younger generations or anything like that. I'm just saying it is what it is. All right, let's talk about content creation and the distribution of your content. So if you're going to build a personal brand, you're going to have to create some kind of content. For me, I found the easiest way to do this is to sit down once a week, hit the record button, and talk about digital marketing, online business, those kinds of things, because it's something that I've done for over two and a half decades now. Actually, I couldn't say that when I first started this podcast. I started this podcast in July of 2017. So I've just completed my sixth year. I'm in my seventh year of doing this podcast. And yeah, it takes some time to sit down and to think it through and to hit the record button and to do that and to upload it. But it doesn't take as much time doing it this way as it would maybe some of the other ways. For example, I enjoy writing, but I don't enjoy editing. But still, you have to edit what you write before you go public with it, or at least it's a good good idea to do that. Same thing with video. And so I decided that as far as content distribution goes, I was going to rely primarily, hopefully, I was going to rely on this podcast. Podcast with a combination of maybe social media. So if you're going to, and, and just think think this through, if you're thinking about building your personal brand, putting a little bit of focus on it, improving it, then one of the things you have to decide is what type of, of content are you going to create to make this possible. So you can do this through blog posts. They don't have to be long. You can do this through videos, podcast episodes, social media content, a lot of people for a while were doing a little bit of all of the above until they burned out. But these are just ways that you can showcase your knowledge and establish yourself as more of a go-to type of resource in your industry instead of just saying, hey, I, I do this. And if somebody looks you up online, they're not going to see any type of consistent content with in the form of blog posts or in the form of audios or videos. They won't see all that. But if your competitors do have that, Then you're going to be at a little bit of a disadvantage, especially if they compare you with them. But remember, it's not just about creating content either. It's about the effectiveness of the content. You need to understand your target audience, you need to understand who you're talking to and choose the right channels to reach them. And so, a lot of my audience, you're mobile and you listen to this podcast while you're taking a walk, while you're in the car, while you're doing something else. And you're not as active on places like Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube. Or when you do go to a YouTube, for example, you're not going there to listen to business content. And if it is business content, especially people that are in the area that I'm in, marketing, websites, all of that, we usually go there just to get the instructions on how to set something up or to see a product comparison or something like that but you really have to identify what the platforms are where your audience happens to be. Now, it is true that there's a lot more people probably watching video out there than are listening to audio podcasts, and they're two different audiences. And so I guess if you want to have the best of both worlds, you would have, you'd be creating videos and audios. Just something to think about. On the other hand, we have personal websites and blogging, now, one of the foundational elements of the personal brand online is to have a personal brand website. In other words, when someone looks you up, they'll see yourname.com or .net or some variation of it because this is going to be the central hub that represents you and everything that you do. It acts like a digital home, so to speak, for your audience. Your website serves as a platform where you can showcase your work, share your story, and provide valuable resources to visitors. Now, blogging in particular has stood the test of time in my own business because it allows me to, you know, dive into topics that are related to my area of expertise. I can share my thoughts and demonstrate knowledge of the topic just like I do here, but the people that read are a different audience than the people that listen. But even so, I think that the reading audience is not exactly a small audience. Matter of fact, those are most of the people that are doing regular searches, you know, looking for blogs to read, whatever it is they wanted. They're they're looking for information. But if you post regularly, not only can you tick all these boxes, not only can you educate people, not only can you maybe even inspire them, but you're also in the process improving your website's SEO, your the search engine optimization. And nothing, in my opinion, beats SEO because it is a way, when we talk about organic search engine optimization, you're going to drive organic traffic to your website, which means it's free traffic. So if you're already com- communicating with people in the form of a blog, then if you learn just a little bit about SEO, like you know, how long should titles be, how often should you use a keyword, and I'm saying going overboard with it because I know that this is a topic that a lot of people have in Are having trouble wrapping their arms around maybe that's the best way to put it but um, just having a simple plugin in there and a wordpress site you'll be able to see what you need to add and some of it is just common sense it really is but some of the plugins are really good at making suggestions of what you can add there are certain seo services that go i mean completely overboard with suggestions being overly technical. I use those from time to time just to see what they're um, telling me that I should add to the article that isn't already there. Like I wrote an article about a week ago and it said that I did not have the keyword phrase, my central keyword phrase, bolded at any place inside the article. One also said that I didn't have a link to an outside, uh, to another website, off domain site. And they count all that as if you're going to grade SEO-wise, if you want to have the perfect search engine optimized article. And again, even the experts might disagree on a point or two. But if you really want to be up there, there are services and software that you can buy. You can plug your whole article into it. It will grade it. You can make the changes. And there's also plugins that you can have on your website that will tell you to add some changes in there. I will tell you this. From personal experience, if you can write at least 1,000 Say nine hundred to a thousand words on average. Your average article it's going to be a whole lot more effective than let's say if you stopped at seven hundred. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's what my own experiments <clears throat> have shown me. But even if you're not like a website person and you're not a WordPress person, I mean, there's other tools that you can use out there to do this. I've been a WordPress supporter from the early days because there's, in my opinion, there's a reason why the biggest companies. And some of the largest institutions in the world rely on it. So there's that. All right, uh, visual branding and the design tools that are out there. For years, I've stayed away from services like Canva. It wasn't until a few years ago that I started poking around, I tried the free version out, and then a friend was nice enough to open up a seat that she had open on her Canva account so that I could try out all of the pro features and I love it. It's a great tool if you're going to make professional designs, and you don't want to take all day to do it. There are so many templates on there. Um, Adobe Spark and Figma are other tools, and there's a lot more out there. Um, I'm trying to think of one that I think it's called. Um, I don't want to give the wrong information out on this recording, but you know, you don't have to be a superstar with design. But you do want to at least have some type of consistency in your visual branding. So if green is your color and maybe blue is a secondary color or blue is your main and green is a second, secondary, then in your design, you want to at least make sure you keep some kind of consistency. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to create a special template for everything that you do. I know the big companies do that. Matter of fact, AT&T had a whole little handbook they had four different logos. If you're familiar with the AT&T logo, it's a circle, but it has like the lines in it. And depending on what type of um, item it was being printed on, they had like four or five different variations of that little ball. They had rules which one would go with that type of advertisement. So I'm not saying that you have to do something like that, but you have a lot of tools at your disposal today that you can at least have some somewhat of a cohesiveness when it comes to the visual identity of what you're doing. I think avatars in a lot of ways are like that today. I know I have my photograph on, it's, it's like an avatar, I guess you'd call it, uh, on my personal profile on Facebook and LinkedIn and other places. I have these glasses on. I was taking a, a picture in front of Lori's artwork and then we traded places and she took a picture. We, we, we were both wearing the same pair of sunglasses, but we've had these images now for a decade. And one of the reasons why I keep it is because when someone sees that little icon there with my face in it, it's recognizable because it's been around for so long. So that's become, that can become part of your visual identity. Um, Let's talk a little bit about email list building because I think that this is a cornerstone which is missing in a lot of people's businesses today. So we have the personal brand, we have the website, we have you communicating with some kind of content on a regular basis. What about the email side of things? Because at the end of the day, if someone pulled the plug On Facebook, or an algorithm cut you off for whatever reason. It does happen, and I know that you think it's never going to happen to you. You know, just like when people think, well, I'll never get in, I'll never have this thing happen to me. I mean, crap happens to people, and we hope this never happens. But even if it never did happen to you, think about the advantage that you have if you have your own list of email subscribers that your competitor, who doesn't, doesn't have. So, This can really be a cornerstone in your business because email marketing is, a lot of business owners admit it, it is the thing that enables them to do what their competitors can't do. For example, when everything shut down in 2020, I'll never forget this because there were certain restaurant clients of mine, high-end restaurants, that I really pushed this whole email marketing Um, strategy with right from the beginning. And I said, listen, we don't even have to have them come to the website to do it. All you have to do is give them a little customer satisfaction card and ask them to fill it out when they're done. Were they happy with their meal? Were they happy with this, that? Some of them have like a little thing where they fill in for their birthday, where they get a coupon every year or happy birthday message. But all of them built their email list doing this. And when everything shut down, What was fantastic was with one email, you could let your entire customer base know that even though you were shut down and I I was here in Florida where we had probably some of the looser rules as compared to like a New York or the Northeast, but still people weren't eating inside. And so these meals were prepared and then carried out to the car. And then there'd be like a little credit card processing machine that they would use to make their payments. And we explained all of this inside of emails, and it was great. The email communication left no room for doubt, and it kept people making money in a time where other restaurants and other businesses were closing their doors. And so you just never know what can happen. And so having a list of people who are happy customers and who've done business with you before and being able to communicate with them with just a few clicks is invaluable. So social media platforms if you have a great social media following and you have people listening to your um, you know your live streams and you have people participating in your group, why not take it a step further and make sure that they're registered with you through their email that they're a subscriber because that will give you the ele- an element of control that you're just not going to get with social media because you don't own the platform. You don't own the list there. You don't own anything there. And you can be kicked off for any reason, almost, unfortunately. And you can also connect with your subscribers on a more personal level. Maybe you can divide up your list so you maybe have an inner circle. I know that when I look at all of the clients that I have, it's just natural that I'm going to know some clients better than I'm going to know others. And it's just natural that maybe I'm going to feel a certain way about something that and be able to talk to a certain group of them better than I would all of them. And so you can do this with email. You can tag certain people to be on your inner circle so that, you know, if something happens that, you know, you don't want to, you know, sound the alarm, hey, this happened, and we're in a crisis or something like that, or we need your support. Maybe you don't want to tell that to like a whole list of people that you don't know everybody as well as as some of the others. So I'm just, I know I'm just saying this off the top of my head, but there's just no way that you can look past the value of what having an email list can bring to your business. So now we can look at things like lead magnet creation. I just set up a new lead magnet on my website. For those of you who subscribe, if you want to get it without subscribing again, just let me know. But if you want to motivate people who are coming to your site for the first time, it helps to have some kind of a lead magnet. Let me explain what that does. Sometimes people are just scrolling by, and in order to motivate somebody to join your email list, maybe they're not in a place where they're ready to buy anything, or they just have a vague or general interest in whatever it is that you do, and you're just one of the many people out there that do that thing, it really helps to have something that's called a lead magnet available that you can offer to them. I'm talking about an enticing offer that provides some kind of value and addresses a specific problem or pain point of your target audience. A lead magnet can take various forms. It can be an ebook, It can be a checklist. It can be a webinar. It can be exclusive content. For example, if you're a fitness coach, maybe you could offer a seven-day meal plan for weight loss as a lead magnet. You can have uh, opt-in forms, you know, once you have your lead magnet ready, then you can capture those valuable email addresses. Opt-in forms kind of like the gateway to growing your email list, and you can strategically place them on your website in a blog post or to create a landing page that's separate that you s- and paid advertisements to to maximize your visibility. You Keep the forms concise. You have a minimum. Number of fields more often than not, just the email address, or I like first name plus the email address. But the shorter forms tend to have the much higher conversion rates. I know certain companies will ask for things like phone number and address and things like that. Now, on my site, jimgaliano.com, I currently use Convert Pro, it's a WordPress plugin, plus MailPoet, which is an email marketing service, to create the forms. Convert Pro is what I use to design the form. Then I connect it inside of WordPress to MailPoet, and that's how I manage much of my email marketing. Most of the time, to be honest with you, I don't segment my lists very much. I'll just send out a monthly newsletter because that's what I enjoy doing, and I'm not really focused on selling products at, at this point right now. So I just enjoy sharing what information has been helpful to me, in the hopes that'll be helpful to you too. But I'm always testing new systems. That's just me. And so it's easier if you find a system that you're already comfortable with, one that creates the pop-ups, for example, or one that you can use to design the forms. What I liked about Convert Pro is it actually allows you to design it pixel by pixel if you want it to, instead of just having to choose from what was already there. And MailPoet, Something I've been using for a few years now for my newsletter. I went ahead and I installed it back on my site. There's plenty of services that you can use. I'm not saying that you need to use MailPoet or Convert Pro. I'm just saying I'm mentioning them because that's what I use. But you can use different uh, optimization or improvement techniques to further boost your opt-in rates. For example, consider having an exit intent pop-up. Now, I have that set up on my site also. All you have to do is go to jimgaliano.com, let the site load on the front page, and then move your cursor away like you're going to go somewhere else. And more often than not, uh, there's a few other factors in there, but more often than not, you'll see the exit intent pop-up, which will come up on your screen as you're getting ready to leave the site, offering the lead magnet in exchange for the email address now you know i gotta admit i've been in marketing for a long time i've been lazy about the whole pop-up lead magnet thing for the longest time simply because one of the benefits of being in business a long time is that you get a lot of referrals and so you don't have to be as aggressive with the marketing you can be a little more passive you don't have to ask people to you know make the sale because it's happening anyway but one of the things that i learned the hard way And, uh, you know, it's a lesson learned, but easily forgotten is that just because you're making plenty of money today doesn't mean that everything's going to stay just like this all the way through the rest of your life. You know, the chances are there's going to be some challenges there. So in a way, I would say, yes, always be happy and grateful for what you have, but don't stop trying to grow the business. Matter of fact, if you can't grow your income And I'm not talking about like that you have to serve money or be a slave to money. But for example, when I discovered that I only wanted to sell X number of services to X number of people so that I wouldn't have to build a huge, gigantic agency style business and employ lots of people, then I understood that, okay, in order to make additional money then, then I'm going to have to focus on bringing some products or services or join an affiliate program or something like that. And so I began to go ahead and look for other ways to create online income. And then I went ahead and I did that. So I would say that – and I look at it like a ship. You know those old ships that you see like on TV where they have all of those sails? Well, when you have multiple streams of online income, if one sail rips or tears, the whole boat doesn't come to a stop. You have the other sails catching the wind, catching the income – and keeping you moving along at a nice pace while you repair the one that's broken. So there was a time when I was just selling, let's say, web design, and if enough web design business didn't come in, then the income just came to a grinding halt. And I thought, wow, what, what things can I sell ongoing that are going to bring in additional income and that will bring in recurring income? And so those are the things I had to settle on, what, what those things were going to be. So, but within every individual ad, there's ways to help it convert better. There's testing, you know, testing of different headlines and things like that. Now, email marketing automation makes all of this easier than ever before because it saves time because it takes care of all of the process behind the scenes for you. There's tools out there like MailerLite, ActiveCampaign, ConvertKit, Moosend, now MailPoet, and any other email marketing um, platforms that you can use as an entrepreneur, whether you have a big company, a small company, whether it's just you, it, these work for people on every single level. You can segment your list based on interest, based on demographics or purchase behavior. If you only want to email people that are in a certain time zone or that bought a certain product, you can do all of that. And you can deliver tailored messages to different segments. Now, like I said, I really don't get into that too much. I'm more or less into the lazy (laughs) newsletter. Just send the newsletter out and I try and put a little bit of something in there that I think will appeal to everybody on my list in general. But if I had a whole bunch of products that I was selling, then yes, I would take a much more focused and maybe you'd call it even a scientific approach to email marketing. But if you don't have that kind of business, you can keep it very personal, very relaxed, very laid back. Believe it or not, that works too. So let me just emphasize a few things in closing. Personal branding can change everything for you. It's done so for me and it continues to do so. And the great thing is you don't have to strive for perfection. You don't have to feel intimidated by the success stories you see from other people, even if they're in your niche. Because the truth is, Ordinary everyday people are now building thriving online businesses by building their personal brands and you can do the same. The beauty of it is it's authentic. It's your unique story. It's your experiences. All of those things come together with your expertise and it makes you relatable and more compelling to your audience. Your imperfections, your vulnerabilities can be your greatest strengths as they allow you to connect with an audience who also has their own imperfections, their own shortcomings, their own hang-ups, and it allows you to do so on a genuine human level. I really believe that the online world does have a lot of opportunities for success and that people have continued to, over the years, turn their knowledge into profitable businesses by leveraging their personal brands. Some of them have done it more consciously than others, but I just want to encourage you to take that first step today because your brand has the ability to set you apart in the digital landscape. It can become your competitive edge, even if you're not what you consider to be a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, because you can build genuine connections with people just by being relatable. And you can attract people who believe in what you do and what you stand for, and people that will be eager to support your business. All right. That's about all for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you happen to be. Or you can send them to jimgalliano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you later.